Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with April J. Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she has managed to rise above them and conquer her life. She'll help you to do the same. Now, here is your host, April J. Ford. Welcome to You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. I'm your host, April J. Ford. I've invited, invited Shannon Forsythe, the co-founder of Run to Rescue, with us today to have a discussion on the growing industry of modern-day slavery, and we're talking about billions of dollars here. And before I bring her on, I wanted to explain to our new audience out there and listeners, I offer this show as an example for people who may feel alone during adversity that they are not alone. Loneliness has been an overriding theme of my life and the challenge I've had to overcome. Your journey called life is filled with happiness, success, fulfillment, and even disappointments and adversities. Did you know that there are golden blessings to be discovered even when life throws you a curveball? Being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and single parent at only 32 years old, I created a formula in four steps on how to create a blueprint to rise above life's challenges. These four steps are recognize, respond, reevaluate, and rebalance. Now, this blueprint guides you in finding who you are and how to handle the challenges, and it doesn't even have to be as extreme as mine. This is how you will transition and transform into who you're truly meant to be. And I believe on taking a holistic approach on implementing the four steps. So this show will bring on expert guests focused on empowerment. There's gold to be discovered in our challenges. Know that you're not alone. Get inspired, uplifted, and empowered every Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific here on Voice America. So on with today's show, Shannon is the co-founder and executive director of Run to Rescue. She and her husband, Bartley, co-founded Run to Rescue to reach, rescue, and restore victims of sex trafficking. After attending Liberty University, Shannon began her ministry work as a director of a theatrical outreach called Fashion Forward and later went on to become a general manager for far-reaching ministries traveling to Mozambique, Kenya, Uganda, and Sudan. She did crisis management for the missionaries in the field, as well as working with women whose children who had been kidnapped by the LRA. She helped develop income-generating projects for the women who had been impoverished by war. Shannon has also shared at various churches throughout the United States, bringing awareness at different struggles with women have having throughout the world. Welcome, Shannon. Glad to have to, you know, bring you on as our guest today, talking about the billions of dollars in modern day slavery. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much, April, for having me on. It's truly an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. You know what? I'd like for you to talk about your organization, Run to Rescue, which, again, its mission statement is to reach, rescue, and restore victims of sex trafficking. But before we get into that, let's educate our audience first on, you know, what what is modern day slavery? Because I must admit, you know, before I started focusing my own nonprofit choice gift, not only with loss, but also sexual abuse, I was personally oblivious to it, thinking it only existed in third world countries or maybe in movies. So explain to our audience, you know, what is human and sex trafficking? Yeah, the human and tra- sex trafficking is a, our fastest growing crime here in the United States. 
uh, with movies like Taken, they did such a great job, but they showed that overseas. So we kind of disconnect. And we don't realize that it's right here in our malls, it's right here on our streets, it's right here in our homes, it's coming into our churches. And so it is, it's a $32 billion industry worldwide, which makes it very profitable. The average age of entry for child um, entering into a prostitution is 12 years old. And that statistic is a pretty old statistic. So I mm -hmm. would think that number is even getting lower. The United States produces 55% of all the world's child pornography. So if we are producing this much child pornography, what does that say about the sex industry here in the United States? That means it's growing at a rapid pace. Um, it is number two under, under um, drug sales. Um, it has surpassed gun sales. So it is, um, it's growing rapidly. Uh, we have personally seen it come into the churches, in the schools. Um, we see it of course, online, when you look at online, our kids are open to more pedophilia um, and child predators than they ever have ever in, um, in our century, even because of the Internet. So our kids, um, one out of three kids or one out of five kids are, could be talking to pedophiles. And wow. so when you look at that, it opens them up to trafficking. And so trafficking for us legally, the law says that we have to prove forced fraud or coercion. And force, of course, is, you know, this typical, oh, they've been kidnapped, they've been taken. And um, fraud, of course, is when uh, one of our girls was uh, taken because she thought she was going to be a model. And so they go in thinking that they're going to receive one thing, but they turn the tables on them and it turns out to be something else. And then coercion is the threat of family. We are going to hurt someone else if you don't stay with us. And, um, and psychologically... Um, these traffickers know how to train one another. They know how to look for vulnerability in our children. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's pretty much what human trafficking is here. We also have labor trafficking. We, we focus on sex trafficking, but there is a, a growing number of labor trafficking as well that's going on. Wow. Okay. And I, I love how you brought up the fact to bring awareness in our audience that, you know, in the movie that you mentioned, Taken, which was filmed overseas, but it's actually happening in our own neighborhoods, even in wealthy, prominent neighborhoods. I mean, specifically here in Southern California, and you're based out of Southern California, one would never right. think, oh, it's happening in the nice neighborhoods where the $5 million mansions are, but in actuality, it is. That's right. That's right. It is because um, you know, again, when we're producing that much pornography and online access, and some of these girls are hidden because we are, they are online. They're not walking the streets. So when you go on some of these escort sites, you see these young, young girls um, where you're looking, you're like, no, this is not someone that's 18 or over. They're underage. Um, yes, there's, there is a problem, and it's across demographics, um, each, every economic demographic. Right. And I'll just share with our listeners some of the statistics, you know, you know, to reiterate some of the ones that you just said, and also what I've been reading online. Um, I thought I saw lately it was 80%, that the numbers 80% involve sexual exploitation and, you know, the others labor. And there's approximately 20 to 30 million slaves, you know, in the world today, globally. And right. the average age, like you said, was... 12 to 14, and I'm sure that's an old statistic, and it's probably lower than it is today. And California being, you know, number three on the FBI's 13 largest harboring states, 
Um, and the cities would be LA, San Francisco, and San Diego. I also saw some statistics that, you know, that you just mentioned that it's right behind illegal drugs and arms, you know, firearms, and it's the third largest international crime industry bringing in about 32, 35 million, billion, excuse me, billion dollars every year in this industry. That's right. And according to the Trafficking in Persons report um, last year, they stated that less than 1% of the um, 27 million to 30 million victims out there are ever even identified, less than 1%. So that means we're not even touching the issue. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, explain to our audience and educate us, how would you explain the difference between, you know, prostitution and trafficking? I mean, I, I never met a girl who said, yeah, she wanted to be prostituted, but there's that myth out there. Well, that's kind of different when it's prostitution and trafficking. Well, prostitution comes with the illusion that they did it by choice. You know, so that's they're, they're doing it on their own. They are choosing to become a prostitute. I'm not, not one of our girls, not one that we right. have ever worked with have ever said that they, they chose it. They were either forced, it was either by force, fraud, or coercion. Trafficking is that they don't have a choice, meaning they, can't, they don't have the freedom to leave. All of their money goes to the trafficker or the pimp. Um, you know, they don't have, they are being told to do, every, you know, they are being told what to do on a daily basis. They're being told how to work with clients. They are um, being, they're almost like have indentured servitude because Everything they do is being charged, so the pimp is charging them for everything. Um, so they can never get out of debt. There's really no way of them actually being able to leave. When they are wanting to leave, they are either threatened, they are either beaten, or their family is, is of course, threatened. Um, they are... Uh, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> but in essence, it's essentially the same because you said prostitution is the illusion by choice, where trafficking right. is no choice, and in essence, the illusion is not real. It's a false illusion, right? right? So essentially, right. isn't it the same? Right. It is. And to us, that when uh, we have law enforcement say, well, are you willing to take prostitutes? We're like, uh, yeah, we are, because we, right. we, don't, we don't differentiate. And no matter what, no girl says at five or six or seven or eight saying that they want to choose this ever. And so there is something that brought them to that. And so it... Um, uh, it is stated that less than 2% actually choose to go into prostitution. That number is so small that we don't even, we throw it out. We just, there is no difference to us. There is no difference between a pimp and a trafficker, you know, because there's also that, that they're wanting to make that difference. They want to make a difference between them. And there isn't. The pimp is the trafficker. Right. And do you think that has to do also with, you know, many of the victims, are runaway girls who were sexually abused as children. Like you said, it's, it, it's not something you grow up thinking, you know, at four or five or six years old, but a lot of them were already victimized, you know, being sexually abused before, you know, being lured into this industry. Yes, there is, there is a pattern of sexual abuse prior to them and, you know, entering into being trafficked. Um, as far as the runaways go, that is a number that the missing and exploited children use that, you know, within 48 hours, we have 2.8 million runaways. And within 48 hours, a third of them um, will be trafficked. And that's their, their statistic. And that's where they get the number of the 300,000 to 600,000 number is from that. 
And so I think the number is higher, but with, uh, but that is just a small percentage as well, because we haven't worked with runaways. We don't have any girls that are, um, runaways. These girls have been online and they were, uh, seduced. We have the Romeo pimps who make these girls fall in love with them. And they think that they are entering into a relationship. And because of the past abuse, they're longing to be loved and to be cared for and to be understood is pretty powerful. Right, right. Okay, so Shannon, we're going to go ahead and take our first break here. And after the break, I'd like to get into more of your story of how you got started with um, human and sex trafficking. So let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. Thank you. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to rise above life's challenges with grace, gratitude, love, and joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. Change happens. It doesn't just happen to us, it happens through us. On The Art of Transformation, host Mara Evenstar helps you become the artist of your own transformation. Learn to work with natural patterns, work with change rather than against it. Mara and her guests will bring fresh perspectives and new ways to apply the art of transformation to yourself, your community, and our world. Be sure to listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Did you know there are close to 50 loss events that can produce the wide range of emotions we call grief? Grief is a normal and natural response to loss. We all experience loss in life. Often, when we do, people tell us we have to let it go and move on. But how do you do this? Especially when you don't know where to start. Listen to 50 Shades of Grief with host Melody Dawn. Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we can get through grief. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned in to You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofya.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. 
Welcome back. I'm your host, April J. Ford. Our guest today, Shannon, is the co-founder of Run to Rescue, and their mission is to reach, rescue, and restore victims of sex trafficking. Before the break, we shared some of the statistics on the $32 billion industry of modern-day slavery. Just to name a few, it's about 20 to 30 million slaves globally in the world, and the average teen or preteen entering the sex trade is about 12 to 14 years old and many victims are runaway girls who were previously you know sexually abused in in their past and again it's been you know a 32 to 35 billion dollar industry right behind illegal drugs and armed trafficking and Shannon I'd like for you to share you know how did you get involved with trafficking well, as you had stated earlier, I had been working with a mission organization, and they, um, the church in Kenya was having issues with girls being trafficked out of their church to Dubai. And so we had, uh, just to prepare them and to equip them, we started going to conferences to kind of um, help them to have tools to, to deal with that issue um, overseas. And, of course, my thinking, as everyone else is thinking, is that that's a problem over there. Um, not so much here. But as I was going, a lot of people were talking about the problem here and how it was in our own backyard. And I just could not reconcile the fact that here I am working in an office here in the stateside to help people overseas when we have a problem here. And so my heart was just stirred and just it felt like God was just really speaking and saying, you know, like, we need to get involved. And as I started kind of sharing with my husband and, and we were talking, just he started kind of having a passion of, you know, man, um, what, what if this was our children and what if this was our daughter or our niece or um, some of our family friends? It just, we couldn't reconcile the fact that now that we know the problem, that we should turn away and just kind of let someone else handle it. So it sounds like, you know, you were there overseas in Kenya, you know, doing your missionary work and this just, you weren't even, you know, looking for this opportunity, you were just being aware of what was going on because you noticed that, like you said, some of the girls were being lured into promises of working. Did you just observe that girls were just disappearing? Um, no, it was the missionaries giving us information back because I worked here stateside. I ran, I ran, I worked at the offices here stateside. And so oh, okay. um, I was wanting to equip them. And so as I was here, I just was listening to their stories, you know, and I hadn't, actually visualize or seen anything firsthand. Um, and so I was hoping to get them connected with International Justice Mission and, you know, kind of we were going to just give them the tools. And um, we just kept hearing statistic after statistic and story after story from FBI agents and local law enforcement and DAs and um, other um, organizations that were on the ground. And it was heart-wrenching because the problem is so big and yet there's so few hands in the work and um, we just couldn't turn our head anymore. And how did you equip yourself, you know, being new at that point in your career of what was really going on and what the trade was all about? How did you equip, you know, in training yourself, training your, your husband and now staff? What did you do at the start? Well, I started, again, educating myself and just going to every conference imaginable. And then uh, Vanguard was doing a training, so I went to their training. And this is before even working with girls. I, I didn't even know how to begin. It was just I was at a loss. Um, I knew that I had a passion for this. I thought maybe it was just going to be awareness. 
I was going to talk on the issue. Um, and then a couple months later after that, someone had invited me to go look for a, help look for a missing person. And I, we had gone up north and had done that. And through that, uh, another, another girl came by and I contacted the mom. I'm like, I think your daughter's being trafficked just based on all the information I had learned. And the mom's wow. like, I know she's being trafficked and no one's helping me. And so in that point, we just kind of started pouring ourselves into helping find this, this girl. And we helped assemble a team and we, within three weeks, we located her and were able to get her out. And that was the beginning of, and then after that, parents started calling. So we started out as a rescue organization by accident. And <laughs> like I said, so it just it, fell on your lap, right? <laughs> it really did. And so then I, we, I started ha- needing to figure out how do I find these girls online? So I educated myself on the escort sites and the social media and how it works. And, and so I started teaching myself as well as talking to law enforcement. And at the time, because I hadn't even established my organization yet, who was I? I was a nobody, so I wasn't taken seriously by anybody. And oh, that's funny so that I you guess- mentioned that because when I was starting off um, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, formulating my own nonprofit, Joy's Gift, focused on you know empowering women and youth with loss or sexual abuse, I was just focused on, okay, sexual abuse, not really focusing on sex trafficking, but... I, I li- it kind of fell into my lap too with yeah. various conversations, random people yeah. that didn't even know each other. They would say, well, are you going to talk about or do anything or help victims of sex trafficking? And I was like, okay, what is that? <laughs> that was right. the point where I was oblivious <laughs> to it of like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Is this like in the third world countries that I saw in the movies? Um, right. What? Why, why do you see me helping uh, victims and sex trafficking. I don't get it. I don't get it. But as soon as I started working with girls who were just, you know, abused, you know, sexually, right. there was, it, it didn't matter if you were abused at home sexually or on the street. The underlining issue was that, you know, you were dealing with a lot of emotional setbacks and heartaches yes. and it really didn't matter the infliction point and where it came from. So yes. that's where it, like the light bulb turned on like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> right. It's exactly, it's exactly right. You know, and so we did. We had that issue, and the moms were so desperate, and no one was helping them. And who was I? I was willing. So I started getting those phone calls, and we started kind of looking, and we were, that was the beginning. And ever since, we've never had to call anyone to, oh, we need some girls. We've never had to do that. As a matter of fact, we get the phone calls, and now we average about two to three phone calls a week, um, whether it's, you know, looking for someone or whether it's, someone wanting us to, to take in girls. To help out. Okay. Now, do you provide wraparound services as far as, you know, medical support or job training with friend or rescue? Um, we do. Um, and what we do is we, um, our first year, of course, as I was saying, it kind of just came, I kind of fell into it and the girls were coming. So I would just work with them individually and I would place them into safe houses. But I was having a problem as I was placing them in safe houses because um, they would leave or they would run and they would take a couple of girls with them. And if you look at the statistics on the recidivism rate of, of these girls, it's really high. They go back into the light. And I just was like, there has got to be a better way. You know, there has to be a better way that these girls aren't leaving. What are we doing wrong? Um, what can we do better? So I just kind of prayed. And the Lord had given me the scripture and kind of talked to my husband um, you know, about placing lonely, the, that he places the lonely in families. And so we kind of looked at that, like, Lord, 
you know, why would you put these kids and families and who would take them? And we kind of did a launch our first year, uh, or actually uh, in 2014, we kind of launched it to see how it would go. And we started to see a turnaround in the success because it was more one-on-one. And so what we do is we have an Anchors of Hope project where we use host homes. And in that, we take a family who is, has raised their children, their empty nesters, and we put a team around them. So about four to six mentors go around them. And then we look at what she needs. If she has a child that she needs to get back, we need to get her into parenting classes. Uh, if she needs to get her GED, we help with her GED. If she, um, mm-hmm. Of course, we do make sure that they have all their medical taken care of because the girls off, off, that come off the streets need their medical. We also work with do they, what kind of addictions do they have and kind of get counselors for that. We also work to make sure they each have a trauma counselor and a life coach. And so we, um, so we individualize their um, program for each girl. Wow, that's very, very powerful. When you recognize that need of why were they leaving? Because that's, you know, that goes back to the Stockholm Syndrome, right? They go back to right. the land of familiar. That's exactly right. And these girls, when you put them in a, there's a, on the street, they, they live in stables. And a stable is a group of girls. And there's a hierarchy in those stables. So it's a street hierarchy. So if you take all these girls out of the stable and you put them in a safe house, well, these girls understand the stable mentality. There's going to be someone that's going to rise up. It's like the alpha dog is going to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going to rise up and, and take charge of the, the girls underneath them. And we started to see that. And one of my girls was guilty of becoming that girl. Like she raised to the top and everyone followed her. So it's, you know, it was, and it's that, that's how they survived on the streets. It's a survival mechanism. When we right. removed that from them, and we put them in a different environment. Um, and yes, it's a different environment for them. They don't understand it. Um, but it's a healthy environment. It's an environment where they have a new support system. They, it is like learning a new language. So it doesn't make sense to them. It's, it's uncomfortable. Um, but then they settle into that. After four months, they, they love it. And they start to dream and have hopes again. But they don't now. They're not competing with a bunch of other girls uh, for attention or for uh, people noticing them because all the attention is on them. Right. And you're basically, like you said, you're creating a nourishing, healthy environment. And that could take some time to transition, right? That's not what they're used to. And that's not what they're familiar with. Right. But they don't run as much. I mean, I have had girls run, but they don't don't run as much because they do feel... um, they do feel the love. They do feel the acceptance and, and they, and all they've known is fake love, not real love. And so when they have the real love of just people who just adore them and want to see them do well and they're their cheerleaders and encouraging them to, to do great. And when they feel like they can't do it and they want to give up and they've got people coming saying, no, you can do it. It's inspiring for them. You know, they've got, they don't want to walk away from that. Sometimes they do, but for the most part, you know, where else are they going to get that? Right, right. Now, after these messages, um, Shannon, when we come back, I want to talk about more of, you know, the the state that these girls are in mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually and talk about loneliness and also the controversy a few months ago when the big event with the Super Bowl was out. And I, I believe there was a lot of press and media about there, you know, out there on trafficking and the big Super Bowl. So let's go ahead and address that. I know a lot of people have um, some questions on that. So after the break, we'll have Shannon okay. come back and talk about um, more about sex trafficking. 
us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you good at leading yourself? In order to be more effective leaders in business, as managers, or in any organization, you've got to start by being good at self-leadership. On Leadership Takeoff, host Mo Glenner and his guests bring you the tools to help you lead yourself and your team to truly become the pilot in command. You need to tune in to Leadership Takeoff, live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Because the sky is not the limit. It's only the beginning. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email... Her email address is aprilj.ford at joysofya.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back. I'm April J. Ford, and I'd like to say hello to all of our You Are Not Alone listeners out there globally. We have hello to, who do we have on the board? We have Russia, Norway, Israel, Romania, Argentina. We've got You Are Not Alone listeners also in the United Kingdom, Poland, Canada, and of course, United States. So hello to all of our You Are Not Alone listeners out there. And we have Shannon here, the co-founder of Run to Rescue. And just before the break, she was talking about her Anchors of Hope project that she created within Run to Rescue, basically identifying why some of the girls would run away. We call that the Stockholm Syndrome of going back to the environment that they were used to. And she basically created a very unique way or a an environment where it was able to provide a nourishing and healthy environment for women to actually feel and see um, what the real meaning of love is. And there is quite a bit of transition into that because a lot of the girls are 
um, faced with a lot of trauma. They really don't know what love is. And I'd like for Shannon to expand a little bit more on that. And we'll talk about the controversial topic about the Super Bowl. I know there was a lot of press and media during the Super Bowl on if there was any correlations or linkage to um, trafficking. So, Shannon, let's talk about the emotional and, you know, mental and spiritual state of these girls. And do they really feel alone when they come to you at this state of, of trauma? Um, yes. Um, their, first, their first feeling they have is, is fear. It's, it kind of goes along with terror, terror of separating themselves out of um, an environment that they have been enslaved in. So they first deal with the, the terror of it. And then, the, then loneliness does come quickly after that because in that fear comes, what if we let them down? You know, what are, um, you know, what do they have to go back to? Because a lot of them don't have families that they can go back to. Or if they do, the family has let them down at one point. And they just, um, and then on top of, of feeling alone, what, um, how do you explain to people the last, three years of your life when you have been, you know, you've been dubbed a prostitute, you know, and you may have been arrested for solicitation or, you know, and so then there's this shame that you want to cover up and you want to kind of keep hidden. You don't want anyone to know. And that's lonely, you know, and right. in that right. it's, it's, you just are just hiding who you are. And then we've got people who want to use our survivors to, to go out and speak. And these girls are, are hiding all these things and feeling so much shame. And then they feel like, oh, um, people don't, I am a hypocrite because I don't have my stuff together. So there's a loneliness there. Um, so, I mean, yes, they don't feel that anyone can love them. Imagine them. How do I tell my future husband, you know, that this is what I've done or, you know, and that's what they think. This is what I've done. They don't see themselves quite as a victim, you know, and, um, and so there's that, no one's going to love me. And so they already have just so many overriding feelings. And then of course the trauma that just, um, has gone on and on and on. And so they're kind of like always, you know, something happens and they just get triggered. So they're always on guard all the time. They walk into a room, they could be looking around to assess if it's a safe situation, you know, some withdraw and it's hard to get them out. And, and they look like they're happy and fine, but they're going to blow any minute. And so all of that is, is a mixture of just when they feel that they're out of control and they feel that they are on their own, then they have, um, then the, of course it comes up and shows in fear and anger. And yeah, there is a, a lot that we have to work with these girls. And when we train people to help understand the psychology that these girls, we're going to see, you know, their trauma before we actually hear it from them. You know, right. and, and how and do you how, do that? How do you best train or equip the families, such as your Anchors of Hope project, when you're working, you know, one on one with one girl to one family? How do you best equip them on what their typical day might look like? Well, we do a lot of uh, we. Do, it's a, like a it's a five day training. Um, it's very extensive. Um, we talk about um, we we talk about trauma and what it looks like, how it affects the brain. So if they were traumatized at 12 and it goes back to maybe they were traumatized at six and how that affects their, their growth so that people understand one, that it, um, you know, that these kids will stop their growth based on where their trauma started. So some right. of our girls may be 19, but they act like they're 14. And that's because, 
trauma-wise that they are have been affected. So we do. We see the families on that. What does disassociation look like? Um, how do they handle that? How to handle the stages of grief? Um, because it's not just because they lost someone. It's because they lost everything, their childhood, their dreams, um, family. You know, you can name the list. So right, our right. Uh, each of our trainings will address just case studies that we've done. And, you know, you know these families are going to walk away licensed as trauma therapists. Mm-hmm. You know, it is trauma-focused so that we they understand what trauma is. And then what we do is we bring the trauma counselors in for these girls um, so that they can get the help that they need. Right. And I completely agree. Like you said, you do need to have an awareness of grief. And that's why I've combined both in my organization of loss and and sexual abuse because that's the underlining common denominator right. because there is a loss a loss of identity a loss of confidence right. a loss of of love you know self love right. and knowing what real love could come in you know externally so grief right. does play a big part of it i think in society when i think of the word grief it automatically relates to you know a physical death of a loved one when in actuality it's not that's right that's right. And we um, and our families and our teams can be instrumental in helping replace and be, being kind of like um, building blocks to build a new, you know, these girls, they have, they're like butterflies. They're like little caterpillars that just kind of need to break out and be kind of set free. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. our families and our teams are just that. They're just building blocks to help put back in place the things that they've lost. Will these girls, they're still lost. That will always be their loss, but they can create new memories and new um, ideas and new, you know, like you had said earlier, that you little jewels and gems that you're going to find through this. And mm-hmm. that's what our families get to do. Um, they get to be a part of that. Right. And it, that's amazing. I, I love the uh, project that you created, the Anchors of Hope, and working one-on-one with, with girls and creating that safe and healthy, nourishing environment. So let's switch gears, Shannon, on, you know, on the controversial topic when the Super Bowl came about, there was tons of press. I mean, every, you know, you turn on your social media, the, the um, you know, the sports pages. There was a lot of controversy whether human trafficking or sex trafficking correlated or there were links to the Super Bowl. Can you speak on that? I mean, considering yeah. it's an environment of, you know, money, drugs, alcohol, and parties. I mean, can we really say it was correlated in any way or any linkages to it? You know, all I know is that when we see any type of sporting event or any, where there's a big gathering, whether it's wrestling or boxing or these big events, or if you go to Vegas and you see them have these big trade shows, all of a sudden you see a spike in what you'll see is in the rest of prostitution and you'll see that spike. So that is any event. So when you are looking at the Super Bowl, and you're seeing the mass amount of people that are going to show up. Yes, you're going to see a spike in trafficking because the traffickers know that that's where they're going to be making their money. They're going to go where the people are. They're going to go where people are going to purchase these mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. girls um, and sometimes even boys. So, it, you know, we, um, we get phone calls from other organizations. Hey, we're getting ready to go in and we're going to, you know, they focus on these big events and they want to take these, they'll take these girls out and want to place them. You know, it is a problem. I know that it is controversial and people want to, people want to ignore that this is a problem. You've got people who want to legalize prostitution. You've got people who, you know, want to legalize, you know, having sex with a child. So it, 
Yeah, there are a lot of people that have a, a problem with it. But, yes, there will be a spike in any large event um, anywhere in the United States. Now, what are some of the initiatives out there to correct this? You know, we don't have enough laws on this. Um, it, you know, everyone is wanting to go after the, um, the pimps, and they are wanting to go after the traffickers, which is great because we need to. But that's not going to stop the problem because there's a demand. And the demand comes from these people who are purchasing these girls. And these are these guys get away with just a slap on the wrist. Some of them don't get jail time. Some of them get fined maybe $150. They can hide that from their wives. Um, we need to go after those that are purchasing these girls. Because if you were a gun trafficker, whether you were a purchaser or a seller, you would get just as much, you would get just as much trouble whether or not you were purchasing it. And so um, I believe that these Johns, and my husband is really passionate about this, that we need to go after them, that they need right. to just have more than just a slap on the wrist because they are fueling this demand, which is creating our problem. Right. And I think, like, you, you brought up a good point that it's the the prostitutes or the pimps or victims of, of trafficking who are getting the big penalties. But in actuality, we need to correct the problem at the beginning upstream right. where the demand is occurring. So what are some ideas that we can, you know, start from there? How do we stop the demand? Well, I think we do need to start with letting, you know, letting legislation know or somewhat, you know, kind of going and saying we need to, we need to go after the Johns. I mean, I know my husband has talked to local law enforcement and county of what they're doing to uh, stop this, to where they're not just, you know, kind of just giving them a slap on the wrist. We know that San Bernardino County was placing the, the pictures up on their Facebook page, on their website. Wow. I think it was their website, uh-huh. their Facebook page. And, you know, I don't know how successful they've been at it, but at least they were moving forward knowing that this is this is the demand. Because eventually I would love to see me not have a job anymore in regards to this. Yeah, you know? we could do they, something else. You know, I would, I would like to work myself out of a job in this area because I know I can find other girls I can help. But right, right. Uh, but to do that, it's like uh, someone had stated um, that it's like turning on this huge like fire hose and then and trying to take a teaspoon and and fill it up and fill a bucket with just a teaspoon, but the hose is just going out. I can help a few girls at a time, but there are th- hundreds of thousands of of boys and girls and young uh, young adults who are being trafficked because of this demand. So we as a na- we as a people need to speak out against it and. But if we speak out, that means we have to talk against the pornography issue and the men who are watching it and the men who, because it's not, if they're purchasing it online, they, they're probably, you know, also contributing to um, on the street. sex trafficking right. as well. Right. Okay. So, Shannon, we're going to listen to these messages in our next break. And afterwards, I, you know, I'd really like to talk more about your work on how you got recognition in People Magazine and, you know, with the U.S. House of Representatives and some of the wins in, in more of your story. And also, since we're talking about bringing awareness and what people can do, you know, just some simple techniques or things to be aware of and how people can recognize you know, this, this industry around them, you know, maybe take the blinders off. Like you said, you don't have to go to a third world country to see it. It's happening here in our very own backyards, even in affluent, um, wealthy neighborhoods. So let's go ahead and take our commercial break. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges? Or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. Get ready to experience a more fulfilling lifestyle. Tune in to Direct Connect Empowerment with host Fee Mazanki. The show will feature guests who have changed their lives by using the Direct Connect coaching program or have worked with the same concepts that this program offers. By hearing how others have been transformed, you will be inspired to move forward. Direct Connect Empowerment with Fee Mazanki can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofya.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. We're back with You Are Not Alone. Again, hello and shout outs to all of our listeners globally, internationally out there from Canada, Poland, United Kingdom, Israel, Norway, Russia. And if I missed your name, sorry about that. But again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our You Are Not Alone listeners globally. I appreciate um, you guys listening online. So we are back with Shannon, co-founder of Run to Rescue. And I really want to commend her for all the work that she's done to help rescue and restore uh, victims of sex trafficking. And I, I feel personally honored to be collaborating with her in the near future with my organization, Joy's Gift, to allow us to mentor some of her survivors. And I'd like for her to share some of the wins that she's personally had. You know, she was featured with uh, People Magazine and received congressional recognition from the U.S. House of Representatives. And the list just goes on and on with Shannon's work. And she trains, actually, some of the largest organizations um, as far as awareness with human and sex trafficking. A big one here in Southern California is Saddleback with Rick Warren's church, um, local law enforcement and task forces. So, Shannon, share with us some of your wins and also let's bring in some practical awareness tools on how the community can help if we were to 
you know, in the four steps that I created, just how do they, one, recognize this around them, and two, how do they respond? What do they do with the awareness that we're giving them? Yes. Um, well, we have had a lot of wins. And, you know, personally, I, I am honored that we have had um, council members and, um, you know, local governments honor us. Um, the Seroptimist Group International um, we won the Women of Significance Award, and those are all great, but my biggest wins are my girls, honestly. They are the ones who, um, you know, they fight really hard and work mm-hmm. really hard to, to become who they always dreamed that they could be. And, you know, it, what, you know, to be honored for all these things, and we did get a feature in People Magazine. They did highlight one of my girls, and, um, you know, it was, I'm so proud of them, you know, and all of this makes it worth it when with them. But how to see and recognize um, trafficking, I mean, it is in front of us. I mean, even down to the point when we go to Disneyland, um, you know, the drop-off, there's a drop-off place for our kids if you, you know, if you live locally. And the traffickers are there recruiting right there. And how do we see and recognize? How do we know um, someone's being trafficked? Well, there's a few ways. You know, can they come and go as they please? Are you seeing these girls just they're not able to come and go? Do they look under 18 and they are doing commercial sex acts? Because you can tell a girl that looks 12 versus a girl that looks 21. Um, is she in the commercial sex industry and does she have a pimp? You know, if someone has a pimp, that's pretty much, you know, some, or a manager, they have been calling themselves managers, um, they're unpaid, they don't have any money, or they look, um, you know, they they have bruises on them, or they look beaten up, um, they owe a large debt. Sometimes these, these kids are going to school and they, they have a debt that they owe. They were um, recruited through false promises. So you start to see them online, and all of a sudden they, they start to change. All of a sudden they look like, oh, the innocent young girl, but then their pictures start to change. And people are starting to, their friendships start to change. And so those are things that we could start being aware of. You know, um, they start to avoid eye contact. They start to look down. They start to retreat into themselves. So these are things that if you have someone around you and you start seeing these signs, I would dig deeper and kind of find out what the what might be going on. Right. And I think what people really need to be aware of is look for the behavioral patterns, not necessarily a stereotype of... Um, you know, just because of their ethnicity or what they're wearing or, you know, because if somebody says, oh, they have a pimp, well, what does a pimp look like? Because they could be dressed in corporate clothes or what does a John look like? And some of the pictures you see online of the predators, they look like, you know, they're your neighbor. They look like somebody at your church. They look like somebody at your workplace. So there's not really you know, oh, they look like this or they look like that. You, you know, it's more right. of being aware, like you said, of the behavior of how they're acting. Yes, you know, and, and that is, and we need to become aware because it really is, um, it, we have had already a couple of cases where it's been in the church and, and in the homeschool groups. And so it is getting close to home. Wow, that's pretty scary. Now, what can they do after they've, you know, they're recognizing something you know, that might be a little suspicious. It may or may not be, but what do they do? Do they call the 373 number or what, how do they respond? Yes, they, um, they, there is the three, seven, the 373 number. That is the hotline number. So if you figure out that there is a, um, that someone is being trafficked, you can call, um, 866-347-2423. 
you know, and um, you can also call, I'm sorry, I don't know the number off the, it's 3737 I believe. Yeah, 888-373-7888. Uh-huh. Yes. Anytime that they see that there's someone being trafficked or even labor trafficking where the kids are selling candy out in the front, there's no parents, um, they should call that number. That is a national hotline number. Um, you know, if it's, uh, they should always just go to that. If it's a family member or if it's someone that is missing, you know, um, they could always call us, you know, but we will we will assess whether or not their child's being trafficked. All right. So in closing, Shannon, what would you like to leave our listeners with and how can they uh, find out more of your organization and, you know, if they'd like to help you guys out or find out, you know, how to contact you, where can they go? Well, they um, should check out our website at www.runthenumber2rescue.com. And we are also hosting an awareness event um, August 7th at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Um, and we're doing an awareness through the arts. It's called Ignite the Night. So we would like it to invite everyone to come. It's a free event. And they will get to hear more about us and meet us personally. Um, they can contact me, at Shannon, at runtorescue.com. Um, they can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, they will get a more current information, more up-to-date on our social media. Um, but, yes, we need, uh, we need more homes, people that have a heart to, to maybe step up to, to start working with these girls and, and creating a team. We also need financial provisions because uh, sometimes we relocate these girls over to the United States and, and they have needs that come up, and um, we, need, we need help financially. Uh, we need lots of prayer. We need people to right. be praying for us and, and uh, come alongside us. And if they want to volunteer, to, to contact us through our, our website. Right. All righty, everybody. I'm April J. Ford here on Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and the show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so that others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face, but would be able to just take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and my faith. I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs and to let others know you are not alone. And you can go to feeljoyagain.com to receive your weekly words of joy. That's feeljoyagain.com. There's gold to be discovered in our challenges. Know that you are not alone. Get inspired, uplifted, and empowered every Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific here on Voice America. We appreciate your joining us this week for You Are Not Alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April J. Ford next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week.